You're listening to The Reading Riot. Welcome back to the Reading Riot Podcast, a podcast made for readers, writers, and fans of short stories. I'm your host, Kim, and welcome back. And happy new year. Oh my gosh, it's already 2023. I feel like last year was 2019, Um, but we probably all kind of feel that way. But anyway, new year. I've got plenty of new goals myself, and it includes finishing at least two books. So that is on the agenda And anyone who's new to this podcast, I am aspiring writer. I have one book that I have finished that I am preparing to query. I am in the middle of a YA paranormal ghost story currently. And my next one is going to be, which I would love to start, hopefully in March, is a monster romance. I know, I know, I know, I know you guys are probably like dying for that one, but you gotta wait. You gotta wait. You know, this next year, I really want to get a lot of stuff done. I really have a lot of goals and I plan to accomplish every single one. I don't know about you, but I feel the fire. I feel the fuel. I am like ready to go. I'm ready to make things happen. You know, I'm about to turn 32 and I feel like I finally have my bearings as a writer. I know what to expect when writing books and I'm just at the stage in my life where I'm just finally now enjoying it. It's not a question of how to do it but having the time just to write. (laughs) I think that's my new challenge. Um, But I'm so excited with this new year, with turning a new age. You know, it's literally moving on to another chapter in my life. And I'm just ready for this year to make stuff happen. So I'm like, let's together, like have a mantra moment and be like, I am so lucky and everything is going to work out for me. Boom. Say it. Say it. Ready, go. Okay, good. You said it. Okay, perfect. We're all on the same page here. (laughs) Well, got an amazing guest this episode. You've met her before. Miss C.N. Maxwell is in the house. Woo! Yeah, that's right. So happy for her to be here. She's going to talk all about her new book that she just published back in November. So she's going to give you all the deets for that and where you can find it to buy. We might as well jump into it. I don't know why we're waiting. Our short stories are freaking killer. And just to premise our short stories. I feel like for this podcast, for anyone who's new, I definitely feel like all the short stories I read on here are definitely upper YA to adult short stories. So you know when there is a family-friendly episode, I'll give you the heads up. Don't you worry. So you can include the kids like we did for the Christmas episode. But going forward, it's for the mamas. It's for the adult ladies. It's those people that want the romance and the fantasy and the adventure, but the maturity level. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, like I was saying, Let's jump into this. So excited to start talking with Courtney and to read our short stories for you. Let's do those. 2023, here we freaking go. Connecting guest to the Reading Riot podcast. Connection complete. Well, welcome back to the podcast. I have C.N. Maxwell. (laughs) Hello, everyone. 
So glad to have you. You're my bestie. And look at you. You're here on my podcast. It's like the best day ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and big news since you've been on my podcast is what, Courtney? Like, tell tell the people. Tell the people. <laughs> so I finally, um, finally published. That's finally right! Published, <laughs> finally published my debut novel, um, To Free the Rising Storm. Um, it's the first book in the Reemergence Chronicles. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. New oh my adult. gosh. Okay. Tell for those of you who have not read it, which you should, um, please tell us what it's about. Give us a little spiel. All right. So, um, To Free the Rising Storm is a new adult fantasy romance and, um, it follows May Mordaunt and Varys Winhart as they seek to find answers about their newfound magic while their desire for each other burns through the lies and obstacles threatening to tear their world apart. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and, you- <laughs> and you can read the full blurb on Amazon, Goodreads, Barnes & Noble. It's also available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. I also have signed copies on my website at www.authorcnmaxwell.com. You should totally buy a signed copy. It's yeah, you should. awesome. <laughs> I go all out with swag and my signature and yeah. Oh my gosh, Courtney, I'm just so happy for you. Can we get another round of applause, please? Yes, because you worked so hard and put years into this book. And look at you. It's finally, it's finally here. Yes. Six years in the making. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy for you. The book is (laughs) stunning. The story is amazing. The love story leaves you wanting more. And that fucking cliffhanger. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I I love and hate it so much. (laughs) Well, book two is coming along. It's, um, I don't want to say it's slowly, but I'm um, definitely taking my time on it. I really hope to have it within the next year. We'll see, though. But you know what? I think that's a killer goal for you, considering it took, what'd you say, six years to write yeah. the first book? Like, I think writing the second book in a year is doable for you yeah. because you've been there, done that. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, in those six years, were very much like plotting and, um, you know, just writing drafts that did not work and kind of figuring out um, where I needed to go with the story and what like worked and what didn't work. And so now that I have all those pieces there, I can go on with book two and it doesn't feel like I'm doing something wrong where I was like that constantly for these past six years. (laughs) So, well, you know what you're doing now because you've learned all the don'ts. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there are still going to be challenges and there's still going to be things that I'm going to learn. Um, Writing a sequel is so, like, also very weird because you don't want to, (laughs) like, you want to remind readers what happened in the book book one, but you don't want to, like, over-remind them because readers are smart. Um, And so I'm, like, kind of juggling that right now. That would be difficult. I'm reading the sequel to All of Us Villains, and I had just read it, so I remembered everything. But, yeah, Mm -hmm. there's moments where the author takes that time and reminds us of certain situations that happened. And I'm thankful for that because 
then that way, like some people might not have time to reread the first book before they jump into the second. And it just makes sense to do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying, I'm trying to make sure that I have at least like the most important, like plot points of book one reminded, even if there's like certain things that were not, you know, that I oh, don't, yeah. you know, no, I'm yeah, sure yeah. it's awesome, dude. Like, I'm so excited to see where this story goes. Like, you have your whole world to explore, and I'm just so excited to see yeah. it. Yeah, I am too. I'm super excited. <laughs> I'm, probably, I'm probably more excited, honestly, for book two and three um, in totally different aspects, but more excited for those. Um, yeah. Well, I'm so glad you took a break from writing your amazing sequels to come and write a short story for my podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm uh, this short story was um, a challenge for me. I don't know why, but it, <laughs> it can be sometimes. Though. Yeah. <laughs> and I still like still like I got done with it and I was like, uh, it's not exactly where I want it to be I'm pretty sure like there's some points in there that I could have told a little better but like if I was ever to like I don't know put this in like an anthology or something I would definitely go back and like make sure it's good but it's like it's good go right now but (laughs) yes no 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 and and that's the fun of short stories if you ask me you don't have to build an entire world you know you really have to pick what's important and in a way it kind of helps you practice driving the plot you're like oh I would love to talk about this but yeah. I'm going to focus on what's happening instead. Yeah, exactly. So it's definitely good practice. I mean, for me, it it definitely helps when I just want to sprint and I just want to just let my fingers go. And sometimes it's not flowing with my b- work in progress right now. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to jump into other characters, another setting, just to cleanse the palate so I can go back to my book feeling refreshed. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like homework. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, when is homework ever fun? But I swear, reading and writing short stories in my spare time is total practice for yeah. writing a book. I'm reading two books right now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Which um, ones? I, well, I'm reading Belladonna by... Um, <gasps> Mm, what's her name? Adeline. Adeline Grace. It's one Adeline. of my favorite books yeah. ever. Yeah. So I'm reading Belladonna, and I would, like... I just started reading it last night and I'm already on chapter five. It sucked me in. And right? That, like, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> the prologue is so good. And then yeah. the first chapter got me like, oh, Yeah. What? I did not expect like this kind of story. It, yeah, it you has went been... in blind to it because yeah. honestly, the synopsis sucks. I'm going to be no. clear because <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think it's giving a proper portrayal of what the book is supposed to be about. Like, right. to me, the synopsis is a bunch of subplots. Like, I don't, I, I don't know. I guess it just didn't do it for me because it's totally, it totally feels like another focus once you're reading it. And there's just such a cool twist in it. The prose is freaking oh, beautiful. Oh, gosh. I was, I was like, oh. I, I had never read anything by Adeline Grace, and this is making me wonder if I should pick up her other books because... Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's a yeah. solid writer for sure. And I cannot wait for the sequel. I think it's called Fox Glove. It's going to be coming out this year. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm currently reading right now, like I was saying, All of Us Villains. I'm mm-hmm. finishing that sequel. Um, but I'm also reading The Illuminaries by Susan Dennard. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It is so good. It, it is YA. So, like, the... the um, 
main character is, I think, 16. Um, mm-hmm. So it definitely feels that way, which is fine because I do mm-hmm. write YA. Yeah. Um, but it's such a cool story. It's about this society that's kind of lives surrounded by these woods. And there's different clans within the society for each day of the week. So there's the Monday clan, oh, the Tuesday wow. clan, Wednesday clan, right? And each day of their, each day of the week, based on their name, is the day they go out into the forest and hunt nightmares that come out at night. Oh, wow. I know. And it's like this secret society. So they're trying to keep like these nightmares under wraps for the world by keeping them at bay and not allowing them to escape the forest. So it's a really, really cool story. And it's about a main character whose father kind of made a really big mistake within the society and he got shunned, which means her family has been kind of shunned too. And it's kind of her trying to redeem herself within the society and, and, you know, make up for her dad's mistake and be able to come become a warrior and fight nightmares herself. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, That sounds, that sounds really cool. Super good. Super good. So if you guys are looking for something to read, check out Belladonna and the Illuminaries. You won't be sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Courtney, I can't wait any longer. Let's read our short stories. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so the prompt is, Jeremy had promised to do better, but I was tired of waiting. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I will go first. Boom! Taking it away. (laughs) Starting out strong. I love it. You're listening to Short Stories with Kim Ryan. Enjoy Bookworm. Jeremy had promised to do better, but I was tired of waiting. He had promised he wouldn't continue to string me along, that he would decide today in this coffee shop if we were anything but friends. My phone pinged as a text message came through, reading, Hey, sorry. That was it. Then, look, I know I should say this in person, but... End of message. But he was still typing. My stomach dropped further and further the longer I stared at that wobbling dot, 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 dot. The message came through, reading, I care for you a lot. I do. But I just don't know if I can do the whole marked thing. You know my dad's a chairman of the corp he works for, and if the CEO found out his son was dating a marked, he'd probably lose his job and then probably write me out of the will. It's not like I'm prejudiced. It would just be a big change for my family. There it was. I'd had my suspicions, though I had wondered if it was my purple hair or my nose piercing thought at one time he wasn't a fan of the roses tattooed down my entire right thigh. No, he had seemed to like that mark. It was the other he couldn't get behind. Four years ago, some idiot accidentally opened the mouth of hell and released a demon. You can probably imagine what the world was like. Absolutely nuts. The military got involved sending tanks in our streets and helicopters in our skies. Then the churches and all their denominations, holding demon-slaying rallies, praying to their God for answers that never came. It wasn't like the demon did anything crazy either, though I guess their mere presence turning the entire world on its ass is pretty chaotic. 
The demon simply went around and marked people across their forehead with a black smudge. It wouldn't wipe off, nor could I hide mine with any amount of makeup. It was as if the black was so dark it absorbed any and all color. Every single one of us marked or taken by our government, questioned and examined. We were treated like royalty for a while, offered steak dinners, vacations, and paid time off for blood draws and long, extensive mental tests. They were searching for what the demon did when it marked us. All of their tests came back inconclusive. None of us had any change. Then, after a few months, they just let us go on, back to our lives. But it was impossible to do so. Everything had changed. The highly superstitious fired their marked employees. People disowned marked family members. The adoption rates plummeted. People took their own lives. I had been uprooted forced to move state after my landlord had been a total bitch and decided to rent to another non-marked person while I was being examined. Had to pay to get my things out of storage and everything. Thankfully, discrimination laws were put in place and would protect me from that issue again. Jeremy had been the first friend I made here. We started seeing each other, then went back to friends, then lovers again. Six months now of the same cycle, promising that he'd decide what we were soon. Guess that's done. I snatched my purse off the table and tossed my half-drink iced coffee in the trash, no longer interested in caffeine or the artificial energy it would give me. The sound of whirring engines and honking cars filled the streets as I walked home, the setting sun painting the sidewalk with amber and pink light. I was so lost in thought, I almost knocked into a man tugging along a small boy. The child was crying for his mother, and I figured Dad was having a hard time keeping the tantrum contained. My attention was snagged by a loud curse off to my right. Down an alley and behind what I knew was an abandoned building, someone stood gaping at the ground. Whatever he was looking at was obscured from my sight behind a rusty dumpster. Before I could make myself continue on, the man looked my way, locking eyes with me before his focus slid upward, to the mark on my head. I was used to it by now and couldn't be offended, especially not when I found myself staring at the identical smudge upon his brow. Hey, come here, he called out. My heart leaped to my throat, commanding my feet to run. But the moment I lost sight of the potential trouble in the alley, a deep and hollow groan drowned out the city noise. I went still, the hairs on my arms rising. Every nerve, every bone in my body begged for me to rush on home. But I couldn't. The sound was too familiar, a dark, haunting refrain I had heard over and over again in the nightmares that came in the first few months of being marked. Someone had reopened the mouth of hell. My head was empty as I tried to make sense of it. I still couldn't move. What if they were back for us marked? What if they would take us this time and, hey, you! Someone was in front of me suddenly. The other marked one, his hood down now, revealing dyed green hair and pierced brows. Sick of being marked? It took a moment for me to nod. Of course I was. The stranger grinned. Come with me then, to hell. I know how to get them to unmark us. Are you crazy? 
I questioned. It's hell. We could get stuck there, forever burning in eternal damnation or whatever. He shook his head. We're marked ones. They aren't interested in damning us. Humanity has already done that here on Earth. What was he talking about? I didn't know why. Maybe blame it on the curiosity or that I no longer had anything to lose. But I followed the stranger back into the alley, all the way to that rusty dumpster where I could now see a swirling portal of dark energy in the ground. My heart pounded as I slowly leaned in, just to see what I was going into. I was shoved from behind, falling face first into the mouth of hell. Fear locked the breath in my chest as I fell and fell, my eyes squeezed shut anticipating an impact I knew would probably kill me. It never came. I just stopped falling, hovering in darkness. Hell has devoured, a whispering voice said. What lies in its belly? I gasped out, tears stinging my eyes. Was I supposed to answer it? Lilith, I muttered. My name is Lilith. Not its name, the voice seethed. What is it? My lips trembled. Did it not know I was a girl? A human? Or perhaps neither of those mattered. A marked one. Ah, one who comes searching for the why, the mark's meaning. Yes, I said, and I meant it, because even though I wasn't entirely sure how I managed to get myself shoved into hell, I did genuinely want to know. Why was I marked? Your heart. Tears spilled down my face. My heart is broken. It was not always and it still has good within. I didn't understand. This is hell. Why is anything here concerned with how good I am? There is a common misconception that bad souls go to hell, and good souls find eternity. However, there is both bad and good in every single one. The demon simply marked those who have yet to choose. But marking us made the world think we are bad. Then prove to them you are not. A light appeared ahead. You have been given the ability to mark one person. Choose wisely who you give it to, as it may change their life forever, for better or worse. One blink had me back on the streets of the city, staring forward in a crowd with familiar faces the same amber and pink light washing the sidewalk. Why did I suddenly have a terrible feeling of deja vu? I didn't know what else to do but continue walking. When I almost knocked into a man tugging along a small child, the realization struck. Hell had sent me back in time to do something good. The boy's cries for his mother caught my attention this time. The man I assumed was dad looked anxious something I hadn't realized last time. When the boy looked back at me, this time, I didn't see a tantrum. I saw a cry for help. With a gasp, I rushed forward, arm extended toward the boy. I only saw his look of surprise before I touched a finger to his brow, marking him. The man pulling him along looked back and went suddenly still as he observed the mark on his forehead. He let the boy go with a shriek, 
and ran off further into the crowd. Somewhere behind me, a woman's voice rang out above everything else. The boy screamed for his mother as she came into view, scooping him up as loud cries escaped her. That lady saved me, Mama, the boy told her. The woman spun to me, but I was too focused on the pendant around her neck to acknowledge her thanks. A crescent moon atop a cross, the symbol of Lilith, my namesake. I still couldn't find a response as I looked back to the boy, whose mark had disappeared entirely. And when I felt the slight tingle across my forehead fade, I knew mine had to. The end. What? (laughs) Courtney! (laughs) Courtney! Okay. The next time you tell me that you're struggling with a short story, I'm going to be like, girl... Do you remember that whole Mark sh- short story you did? Yeah, 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 yeah. Y- you don't suck. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't ever doubt yourself again. That was so flipping cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, tell, 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 tell the listeners, why did you think that you were struggling with this story? Because that was phenomenal. Well, thank you. Um, I just felt like the entire time because I was pantsing it a little bit and I'm usually not a pantser. I was like missing beats and I still feel like that where like I, I miss certain beats or just certain themes did not come across. Right. You know, or like I probably should have added the dialogue tag like somewhere, you know, like I had all of those things. Um, the prompt, even though, like, I specifically told you, like, the prompt's fine. Like, it's fine. Like, I think the prompt threw me off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It was a nope. shit prompt. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Because it's just like, it's, you know, the prompts are just like, they're super vague. And you can just take it wherever, wherever you want. And that's the point of it. Um but you're so, right, though. I do do leading prompts sometimes. Sometimes I throw in there's a witch or there's a fairy king or something that kind of gets you going. Okay, I know my bearings. I know where I'm going. And mm-hmm. I think that's what threw you off. I didn't give you any kind of premise. Right. Absolutely not. Like, I figured, okay, this Jeremy person's probably maybe a lover or a friend who, like, was disappointed, like, had disappointed the main character. That's all I, like, knew. But, you know, I'm a fantasy writer, so, like, I instantly, like, with all of my stories, I instantly go, like, the fantasy route, like, the majority of the time. And so trying to take that prompt and turn it into fantasy, I think, was the other thing that was, like, making me have, like, such a hard time. (laughs) I loved the whole mark idea i i at first the moment you're like oh she has to go back and mark someone i was like oh shit we got a love story she's gonna find a new man she's gonna mark him (laughs) he's gonna like be hateful at her at first and then they're gonna fall in love like that's (laughs) that's where my mind went except you did your foreshadowing too well and it went right back round with the dude and the little child and i was like oh shit she gave me the she gave me the building blocks. I just, I didn't know what we were building here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will say like, honestly, without feeling vain or like I'm bragging or whatever. I no, feel brag, like, brag, brag, <laughs> queen, I brag away. Like, I feel like some of my strongest points of like 
my writing in general, um, is, uh, creating red herrings, um, in To Free the Rising Storm, my characters ask questions and I specifically make them ask those questions to throw the reader off on purpose. Oh, and, jerk. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, the amount of like foreshadowing I've done for like the entire series that people have like not even pointed out is like, it, it makes me smile because I just know that I did like a good job. Yeah. And, you laid the groundwork yeah. it's there. We just are <laughs> waiting to see it. Yeah. 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 So like, I feel like if I could really just straight up, like come out straight and just say like, this is my strength. It's foreshadowing and red herrings because I just, and they're really fun when I, when I figure one out and I lay it down, I'm like, Ooh. like it oh. feels, it feels evil. <laughs> <laughs> You're like an evil genius. You're all, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I but I think that's important to realize your strengths as a writer. Yeah, um, I really think my strength is pacing. Yeah, you're, I was just talking to my husband earlier, and because I was like basically telling him, like, you know, I just really feel like I'm not like a really good short story writer, but Kim is so good at it, and it's because she keeps you engaged the entire time. Nothing ever feels slow. There's no point in the story that ever lulls at all. And you're just, yeah, you're really good at pacing. Like, oh my God, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for confirming that for me. Yes. (laughs) Another short story coming your way. Oh, hell yeah. Jeremy had promised to do better but I was tired of waiting. The cool sheets chilled my skin as I laid alone. For months, our bed never felt warm. What had started as a heated relationship quickly transformed into a cold and lonely one. Jeremy went from giving thoughtful gifts and planning romantic date nights to prioritizing his ever-growing company. Money became Jeremy's new love interest, even though he already had plenty. He was never home before nine, and when he did return, he was consumed by his phone and laptop. It was like I wasn't even there. So when Jeremy surprised me with tickets to the opera, I should have felt excited. Except I wasn't. I glanced at my open closet and stared down his latest apology present. A red silk gown with a plummeting neckline. It hung pathetically from a hanger on the back of the door. Though it was a beautiful gesture, it did nothing to awaken the slumbering butterflies in my stomach. That's what I missed the most. The rush. The night we first met ended with steamy kisses in the rain. Instead, I hardly got a peck on the cheek before he raced out the door. It felt like Jeremy's attempt at redemption was too late. I was already gone. I hid my face with my pillow at the thought, denying the obvious truth. But Jeremy was trying just as he promised. Silently, I vowed that this was his last chance, because it was. Before I could wallow further, my phone buzzed with the scrolling name of Kendra moving across the screen. He bought tickets to the opera. I sounded less than enthused. Well, hello to you too, she snapped back. I only groaned in response. Isn't going to the opera like your favorite thing in the world? 
Kendra knew me better than anyone, which meant she was well aware of how much I loved to sing. She avidly watched the only video I dared to leave on the internet. It was of me singing the Phantom of the Opera for a play in college. It had once been my dream to be on stage, but my looming adulthood and the smothering expectations from my parents destroyed that aspiration before it even started. I groaned again. Ugh, yes, yes it is. Then get your ass up and get ready. I know that rich man of yours bought you something nice to wear and has a limo waiting. Jeremy's wealth had won Kendra over in a heartbeat, but did little for me. I longed for passion and fire in my partner, not money to make me happy. I swept my hair out of my eyes and watched the sunset in the sky. I hadn't left my bed all day due to my somber mood. And unfortunately, time was up. Look, I know you and Jeremy have been having issues. Let tonight be an opportunity for you both to work through it. He loves you, Anna Lee. No matter how busy he is, that doesn't change. I was tempted to argue with her, considering I was much more well-versed in my sex life, but I had no fight in me. It was a mixture of pure will and my love of the opera that finally got me out of bed. Fine, you win. I'll go. That a girl. Have fun. I expect all the juicy details at brunch tomorrow. I scoff. <laughs> Bye, Ken. Laters, Lily. I tossed my phone on the bed, only for it to get lost in the comforter, before jumping into the shower with the last shred of hope for my doomed relationship. Just as Kendra predicted, a glossy white limo sat waiting for me in our apartment roundabout. I looked around for Jeremy, but only found Wilfred, our doorman, who opened the car door and helped me inside. Yes, yes, as I said, I need the contracts by tomorrow. Jeremy didn't even look my way as he continued to badger the person on the other line. I fastened myself in and looked to the chauffeur who watched me in the rearview mirror. I glanced to Jeremy because I didn't know where we were going. To the Romeo. The Romeo? I couldn't believe it. It was one of the most exclusive theaters in the city. Jeremy must have spent a fortune. The limo made it six blocks before Jeremy finally concluded his phone call, tucking it inside his pristine Calvin Klein suit. Hello, you look nice. Nice? I hung on the word, hating it more by the second. I looked nice to the apparent love of my life. I pressed my lips together into a forced smile and held back my honest retort. Thank you. So do you. He straightened his jacket, more concentrated on himself than me. Thanks. I was grateful when we finally arrived, more than ready to get out of the car. Our date night was not off to a good start. Opening the door for myself, I gathered my long train and walked across the velvet carpet leading into the opera house. I had never been there before, but I mean, few had. The venue was regal and grand, and I suddenly felt right at home. Jeremy extended his arm, and I was taken aback by the gesture. Finally, he was acting as a boyfriend should. We only got a single step before he said, Careful, you tend to trip in those shoes. Suddenly, his gesture felt more like a jab. They handed us our programs as we headed to our seats. I gasped when we entered the private box right next to the stage. It brightened my mood instantly. I'd never sat so close before. I sank awestruck into my seat and turned to gush my excitement to Jeremy when I found him back on the phone. I hadn't even heard it ring. Crossing my arms, I focused instead on the orchestra warming up. 
I wasn't going to let his lack of attention ruin this. I was going to make this night for me, no matter how big a part he played in it. Thankfully, Jeremy hung up right when the lights dimmed. The curtains swept apart, revealing the most handsome man I'd ever seen. He stood tall, looking magnificent under the spotlight, wearing a luxurious suit himself. His black hair was combed back, and his piercing blue eyes stared down the audience. When his alluring gaze fell on our box, I halted my breath, too enamored to look away. I could have sworn he looked a moment longer before turning back and addressing the crowd. As you know, my name is Rowan Turner. Thank you for attending my opera tonight. As a surprise, I have a very special program planned. His opera house? I still wasn't breathing. As a dedication to this fine art, I will be showcasing the greatest songs of the era with some of the most talented singers ever to walk this earth. His voice was rich and deep, sending chills into my spine. The flow of his cadence was smooth. It almost sounded as if he was singing. Enjoy. He bowed, and the audience erupted just as taken with him. The show opened with Madame Butterfly. The piece brought tears to my eyes. I got lost in the singer's voice. She seemed so free on that stage, and I envied her. That should have been my future. Instead, I was fated to only watch. More tears filled my eyes, and they had nothing to do with the song. The sound of a buzzing phone snapped me back to the present. Even in the middle of the performance, he answered it. Jeremy, I urgently whispered, please hang up. He waved me off like I was an annoying gnat, my tears going unnoticed. People nearby began to stare because Jeremy wasn't even trying to keep his voice down. I tugged on his expensive jacket and that finally got his attention. He then glared at me like I was the nuisance and rose to his feet. That was the last straw. If you leave, we're through, I uttered sharply, still emotional from my own inner turmoil. Jeremy paused, just long enough that the person on the phone asked if he was still there. Fine, he spat and walked away without looking back. I was so stunned that I fell back against my chair. He left. Not just the opera, but me. The performance continued on, and so did my tears. One by one, they danced down my cheeks as I fell apart. I couldn't stop crying. When another performer walked on stage, I couldn't stay in the box another moment. Not when it had been tainted by Jeremy's abandonment. I gathered my skirt and headed to the nearest bathroom. Before I stepped out of the box, a man I hadn't known was there held the door open to our suite. Immediately embarrassed, I tried to wipe away the evidence of my tears, but I knew it was too late. How may I assist you, miss? powder room was all I could get out because every fancy opera house had one. The man led the way and I ran inside once he pointed out the door. It was an eloquent powder room perfumed with the scent of roses and littered with personal vanities. A pillowed chair sat in front of a backlit mirror that stretched from the floor to the ceiling. Grabbing a tissue from one of the vanities, I blotted my cheeks and sat before my solemn reflection. I had known breaking up with Jeremy had been inevitable, I just hadn't thought it would be at the opera. However, I wasn't mourning Jeremy. It was my dream. There was only one way I knew how to make myself feel better. Clearing my throats, I began to sing my favorite song, Think of Me from the Phantom of the Opera. 
My voice was rusty at first, but my strong breath carried the notes around the room. Each word flowed easier from my lips, filling me up as my lungs exhaled. Even though I was alone, I felt as if I had an audience before me. The song came to a close, and I impressed myself, hitting the final string of high notes. I closed my eyes and imagined the audience clapping, overcome with my performance. Only there really was someone clapping. I looked frantically around the room, but I was alone with only my reflection. Your voice is truly magical, darling. My stomach rushed as I stood, recognizing his voice at once. It came from the mirror. The sound of boots stepping forward caught my breath. I stared hard and noticed my eyes had turned from brown to blue. Someone else was looking back at me. I spoke only one name. Rowan. The mirror swung slowly open like a door, and there he was standing with his arm outstretched. Come, darling. I was breathless, and my skin heated at his request. Where? To prepare. For what? I whispered, taking his gloved hand. To sing with me. The end. (gasps) (laughs) I love it! Oh, but now I want to know. <laughs> I know, right? Like, oh my God. Because that's the, like my favorite moment in Phantom of the Opera when she goes with him, right? <laughs> right, right, people, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so I had fun writing that. I loved it. It was so, it's so much fun to write a romance. Yes. And that, that, <laughs> you said earlier you were expecting me to go like the romantic route and I didn't because that's like uh, that's also like something that I do a lot is like I I just I write a lot of romance and (laughs) so that's cool (laughs) no I I uh I'm a I'm a sucker for some romance so the moment (laughs) I can like twist it in there I'm like yep let's do it let's do it Because I feel like there's only been like one or two stories where there has been not a lick of romance in it. And I'm like, that wasn't me. (laughs) That wasn't me. me. (laughs) Your Christmas short story, like people, if y'all haven't listened to her Christmas short story, you are missing out. I'm gonna liked it. Yes. I'm just gonna brag because like brag on you because like Oh my God. That was so sweet. So freaking good. And it was perfect. It was like the perfect romance. I loved it. I know. Santa needs a romance too. I mean, come yeah. on, people. Let's make him young and fit and let's go. Let's go. <laughs> he, was, he was caught, I'm sure, at one point. In yeah, right? Life. Like it's his backstory. We need to know how yes. Santa met Mrs. Claus, right? You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Corny, thank you so much for being on my podcast. You're welcome. Yep. And we will totally do it again if you you want me. (laughs) Oh, you know it. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Catch you later.